Yeah, you oh, said that's... on the 45, I opened, like, I flipped the time that is, and I was like, oh, I have two seconds. <laughs> oh, God, so I'm early. sorry. Wow. <laughs> but you made it. Keep you on the bull. Yeah, it's like two monitor troubles. Right. Two monitors. <laughs> I need to get a third monitor so badly. Oh, my gosh, me too. I was going to say, how yeah, do you live you with can... only two monitors? Right? Not, it's not easy. I'm a, I'm a fake gamer. I don't know if you've heard the news. What, you only have two <laughs> monitors? Yeah, fake gamer confirmed. You, you posted a picture of yourself on Twitter relatively recently, and it was just like, there's two monitors behind you, and I was just like, I want to I wanna critique, but no, <laughs> I'm not going to be me. <laughs> I mean, How if you, you... want to flame me on Twitter, I feel like that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, fair. How you have do an you open manage? Invite. Not easily. Uh, yeah. Half screen normally for different oh. things. Just Windows, left, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is why I don't check Discord while I'm streaming, because I just don't have enough room. Well, something that won't cause people to be outraged is this is episode 35 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and I'm blind and I'm hosting. This is going to be airing live September 18th, 2022. It's a Sunday, assuming I did my math right. And today, I'm joined by Wa Jess. How are you? Blind, I can't let this go on any longer. What? <laughs> Calling out you first? It's, no, it's Wo Jess. <laughs> oh. Okay, Wo Jess. Uh, how are you? Um, I am actually outraged because I'm so tired, but, you know, I'm, I'm the one person who's outraged by this. I'm not really outraged. You're just tired. <laughs> I'm just rambly, you know, it's, it's very early for me. This is like earlier than I even stream, so you're getting me at like prime grogginess. This seems like quality podcast content. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, Jess. But on the topic of quality podcast content, Tootie Kiri's also here. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm blind. Uh, Bloody Drongo's also here, who's probably ready <laughs> for bed, I would assume. I Well, I'm riding a wave of endorphins right now. Because I have eaten the world's spiciest chip this evening, so that was uh, a fun time. You so I'm going to be awake for a couple of hours. So I I completely missed this as like I I woke up at like I think it was seven in the morning my time, and I, I see a post from Arch saying, "Well, rip Drongo because he just ate the world's spiciest tortilla chip," and I now I need to know what what. <laughs> Well, what? I mean, it's as described, apparently it's the world's spiciest uh, corn chip is what it calls itself. And uh, I can confirm it is very, very hot. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with spicy food. I would describe myself as having an above average uh, tolerance for it. And this was orders of magnitude hotter than even the ghost chili that I'd had by itself uh, if previously. And it was, yeah, a pretty intense experience, I would say. I was just going to ask, how does one acquire a world's hottest, like, corn chip? Does it come in a bag of them? Do you just get one? Like, <laughs> see, <laughs> I mean, that's the point of contention with this, because uh, if you've heard of the, the one chip challenge, that is literally one chip that comes in a box uh, from the... Scoville ratings I read, I believe this is slightly hotter than the one chip challenge. But this one does come in a packet of chips. 
which is bewildering to me because I cannot foresee <laughs> in any universe why anybody would ever need to have more than one of these ever. It's bizarre. Crush it and put it in a chili. One per day. Oof. So I watched, I watched Rongo eat this live and at first it was really funny, but then I actually started getting concerned because he lost all his color and he started crying <laughs> and sweating and his facial expression was really worrying. So I'm glad you're here now and obviously you survived, but wow, that, that quickly turned for, from Schadenfreude to I am seriously concerned about you. <laughs> I need to well, see this I, clip. I, yeah, it'll 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 go out. I'll probably actually put it into a YouTube video. I feel like the 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 title "I Ate the World's Hottest Corn Chip" is you know I feel like that's like clickbait without being clickbait, right? Absolutely. So because that's works. true. Yes, it's truth bait. Yeah, you should do that. Legit bait. Legit bait. Legit bait. Yeah. 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 Oof. Yeah, that's the term. Legit bait. But I, I do apologize, Carrie. I <laughs> didn't mean to. No, worry no, you don't. You. you don't have to apologize to me. I was just, like, yeah, I don't know. It, you, you didn't look well. <laughs> I feel like I would have just had like a two liter of milk right next to me if I ate that thing. I did have a a, a little half glass of milk, and I took a few sips of that throughout, which uh, definitely did help towards the end. Were Were you playing a game during this process, or was this a just chatting thing? Oh no! This was a just chatting thing. I I okay. knew it was going to be pretty full on, so I did. Uh, I was I was playing my my hardcore <laughs> Minecraft save. So I was just like, yeah, I'm going to put this to one side, and I'm going to focus on trying to get through this in one piece. Well, I'm glad that you're still with us. Same. Thanks. Me too. You. I... What Jess? <laughs> I, I was going to say, I really want to interrupt, and because I just remembered uh, today, out for delivery, my Steam Deck. Oh so soon. Goodness. It's going to be amazing. here today. Actually. Yeah. So next I'm excited time we for have, you. Next time Jess is on the podcast, we get another Steam Deck review. Yeah. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Especially after Kiri's review. It's neat how fast those things are shipping now. Yeah, they've, they've really ramped up uh, production, I suppose. It wasn't supposed to be here until, like, late October. Damn. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I know! I'm I still use it every day when I'm actually home, and I haven't been home a lot recently. <laughs> did you take it with you? No, no, I didn't have time to do any gaming. <laughs> it's a heavy I'm device not surprised. to carry, too. Takes up a lot of backpack space. Not something you want to lose in luggage. Yeah, and no, I was I was traveling really light, so I just no, there was no point in bringing it. I saw that you had on some of your TwitchCon uh, merch uh, while you were away in some of the photos, and I was going to yeah. say it looked awesome, rocking the rocking the Twitch. Yeah, oh, yeah, really I, funny. I liked your hoodie, the like yeah, white and black the, one. That's the Amsterdam hoodie. Yeah, and it's really funny because I flew back, so I was at PAX West. In case some some people don't know. Um, and I flew back over Amsterdam and I was actually wearing the TwitchCon Amsterdam hoodie in Amsterdam again. That was, that was not on purpose. Full circle. Yep. On the bus home, it got a little chilly. So I, I had my discord partner, um, like 
hoodie on and I was one of the first people on the bus going home. There was like maybe two other people on the bus. And then all these people wearing PAX shirts started getting on the bus and they're like, oh, you came from PAX. You came from PAX. Like they, they kept like this one guy just kept naming people like you came from PAX. You came from PAX. You came from PAX. Yep. It's like the entire bus was just like PAX attendees. That's how you recognize them. Which is kind of funny because like when you get to the Canadian border going back from PAX here, it's like they they ask you they're like where were you like what what were you doing all all and all that jazz um, for immigration and the, there was a group in front of me that like were coming from Mexico and like trained all the way up um, and they were just like coming up to Canada to visit family like they just traveled all the way up through the states right um, and they got asked this really long list of questions but everybody who went up there and just said yeah I was in Seattle I was at Pax West no more questions they didn't even finish the forum and just moved you on. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to smuggle something into Canada, do it around Pax West and say you came from Pax West. Oh. They did have I dogs, though. People buy the same thing, right? They buy t-shirts and they buy, I don't know, dice for pen and paper and stuff. So Yeah. It's not going to be very interesting for the border people. They have this long list of like a questionnaire thing that they're supposed to ask you about like your job and stuff if you're down for work and things. But when people are just like, oh, yeah, I was at PAX, they just assume that you were there to play video games and just move it along. Which is a fair assumption. Yep. I guess technically I was there for work, but eh, it was fine. I really wish I could have gone. Maybe next year. That would have been so nice. I mean, it was great to meet Blind because when half the team met a couple of years ago at TwitchCon San Diego, I wasn't there. And I, oh, had, yeah. I had the worst fear of missing out ever. And I was so sad seeing the pictures of everybody meeting and me just being home. Aww. So I know it was, it was, yeah. Anyway, so it was really, really amazing to actually meet up with Blind in person. Yeah. On another continent. It was crazy. In a very different time zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't really know what jet, jet lag is supposed to be, but I don't have it. I didn't have it going there, and I don't have it coming back home. It was just really tedious traveling for like 20 hours and being awake for so much longer. So the first... The, the, basically, just the day traveling was really rough because I just stayed up until bedtime in that time zone I was in. But after that, it was fine. See, I get jet lag if I go to Montreal, which is a two-hour time difference. Oh. And it took me like four days to recover from that. I have more jet lag when we switch from summer to winter time. now that you mention that. Like, oh yeah, like um, like daylight savings? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that gives me jet lag too. That ruins a week. Yeah, but like those nine hours, I mean, I had a I had a very long and exhausting day of traveling, but I'm I'm okay. I don't know. Like my friend, okay, funny story. You might you might have seen that already because I posted about it. But funny story, my friend who's been hiking in the U.S. for several months, doing the Pacific Crest Trail, um, texted me while I was sitting at the airport in Seattle and said, "Hey, how long are you still in the U.S.?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm just waiting for my plane." And he said, no way, I'm just waiting for my plane. Sadly, he was not in Seattle, although that would have been his last stop, but due to wildfires and everything, he went back to Oregon and then finished the trail there. So he was in Portland waiting on his plane. He went through London and then to Vienna. I went through Amsterdam and then to Vienna, but we basically arrived within 15 minutes of each other back at home at the airport. 
So we met up at the airport, which was just hilarious. Like, how does that happen? I love those sorts of coincidences. That's yeah, like, that's like, um, uh, like movie or TV trope level yeah. coincidence. Yeah, oh, we just happened to be in this international airport at the same time. Right? Yeah, things that never happen, but apparently <laughs> actually do. They do happen, and it was so cool because he actually had a friend to pick him up. And so I had somebody to pick me up too, and we just chatted, and it was really nice because we haven't seen each other in like, I don't know, four months, <laughs> really I think. Cool. Yeah, so so I'm, I'm back from PAX, and I got to meet Blind, and it was amazing. And I met Drongo earlier this year at TwitchCon Amsterdam. So I'm, I'm taking off the people I meet from Halcyon. I've been, yes, you're next. I've been <laughs> staring at flights to Paris, and they're actually semi-reasonable if I'm, if I'm willing to do a five-hour layover. It's like 700 bucks, seven, 800 bucks to fly to Paris. I had, mm -hmm, I had five hours in Amsterdam, and it actually went past really quickly. TwitchCon Europe is in Paris next year for anybody who doesn't know. Um, yes, in July. I'm hoping that the cost of flights will come down a little bit into next year, but who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, because it's still ridiculously expensive to mm -hmm. fly anywhere from Australia at the moment. I mean, for comparison, when I was looking at flights to Amsterdam, there were 2500 bucks earlier this year. Oof. So with a, a layover. Um, so Yeah, that's just not feasible. I, I remember looking at that and just going, nope, <laughs> that's not mm, happening. Nope. <laughs> but I really hope to make it to TwitchCon EU next year. Let In Paris, like, I, I do hope that the flights aren't going to be too pricey. It'd be so cool to have a Halcyon meetup. In Paris, of all places. I'd love that. Just looking yeah, at flights cool. from Sydney to Paris, it's... The cheapest here is two and a half thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, in July like here. of next year. Yeah. Uh, oh. No, not oh. even. Uh, yeah. No, that is July. Yeah. Oh, fuck. that is that is way too expensive. This is this is why I want to go to PAX Australia, but you know. Okay, now I'm checking. <laughs> yeah, I mean that will be, that'll be good. I'll be headed to PAX. Uh, this time next month in Australia, which should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be my, I guess, the the prescription pill to cure my envy for uh, TwitchCon uh, in San Diego. San Diego. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's the same weekend. So <laughs> right. I'm going to be going there and trying to pretend the TwitchCon isn't happening over there and then I'm not missing out on other things. That seems like poor organization by, on the part of PAX Australia. Like, I, I, you'd think that you wouldn't want to overlap those two. Mm, it, it is an interesting decision. I, I can't help but feel like it's probably, you know, we're so isolated down here in terms of market and community that there probably isn't a huge portion of attendees that would be forced to pick between the two events. Mm. Yeah, it's just the big guns that you pay to show up that are forced to pick. Yeah. But I, I also I, I don't know how big yeah. PAX Australia is because I've never been. So neither have I. <laughs> I mean, TwitchCon <laughs> EU out. was my first ever con, so really? this will be yeah my first con in Australia. So it'll be interesting. This is this has been an interesting year, especially like for me to go to PAX this year because like I I've 
this is that was my sixth PAX. Um, wow. I've been to because like PAX West is like it's it's just like a four hour trip across the border for me. It's always been really easy to get to, and I'm very fortunate in that um, I have a longtime viewer who goes by Thy Eggman online, who I know as Jacob, um, who Kiri got to meet, uh, and yeah. he he just he has he had an apartment out there like like bus ride distance from the convention center and now he has a house out there so i just go down there and i crash on his sofa and now his guest bedroom so it's like i i, I have a a, a a house to crash at and so pax west has always just been super easy um i made it out to pax east once and i've been to all i guess almost every twitchcon na with the exception of like you know the canceled years and then i guess this year i won't be going but mm-hmm I skipped the first ever TwitchCon. That was the one that I missed, but I've been to everyone since. Wow, that's impressive. Has it changed much over the years? Um, PAX just got slowly bigger, and then this one was considerably smaller. Um, and TwitchCon is uh, kind of a weird ev- evolution, especially TwitchCon NA. Uh, I, I obviously don't have the basis for comparison for TwitchCon EU because I've never been to one. But... Um, TwitchCon North America was this really interesting, weird kind of sl- like landslide almost. Like the first, the first year I went, it was very small. There was fifteen thousand people there, um, like very small. And they've ballooned to this ludicrous size now, where they're bigger than packs in attendance. <laughs> and it's 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 this weird convention because uh, the, the the first years I went, it was very much just like fan meetups with big streamers, right? And then like occasional smaller streamers and nobody was affiliate back then because the affiliate program didn't exist um back in like 2016 so we we would just show up and like if you streamed and you were smaller you had business cards probably and there was always like some games there like frontier had games there there was a brace yourself games booth uh i think the the monolith had a booth they make uh, like castle crashers and that i think that's the name of that studio um like, you know, all, all of, like, Devolver had a booth. Like, all the bigger ones, all the bigger names had booths. Uh, Tiny Build had a booth. Um, and, you know, you, you'd show up and you'd play some games. Um, but it was mostly just, like, a panels and, like, meeting up with people, right? It was j- it was actually mostly just, like, little fan meetups everywhere. And they had, like, these meeting meetup rooms where you could book a meetup room um, the week before the event. And so I, I spent that's what I spent the most of that TwitchCon doing was just meeting people. Um, and then over time, TwitchCon has turned into like TwitchCon NA has kind of taken a turn for the worst, in my opinion, because at this point now, and me and Kiri talked about this at PAX, but at, at, at this point now, it's it it's no longer a, a convention for people to meet people. It's a it almost feels like a multi-level marketing event trying to make people make as much money on the website as possible. And it's very rare to see a community badge at TwitchCon. Everybody's an affiliate. So it's affiliates and partners primarily. The occasional community member has nothing to do because there's no more meeting rooms and all of the meetups are outside and they're very scattered. And um, the bigger partners just hide in private areas in, in the background and smaller partners, um, you just, you, you don't get swarmed. That's maybe not a good way to put it, but like uh, I will never forget this one guy who almost poked my eye out with a business card while I was sitting down. Like, he just walked up to me and tried to give me a business card. He's like, hey, I'm looking for raids. Do you want to raid me? Um, and it's like, uh, no. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've kind of gone sour on TwitchCon North America a little bit just because, like, 
yeah, it, it has good parties. It has good networking events. It had like the private, like partner only sections are kind of great. Um, the basic panels on how to stream are, are good if you like are trying to just get started streaming. It's okay for like early networking stuff, but outside of that, to me, it just it, it feels like this. I don't know. It, it just makes me feel icky these days. So how does yes. it compare to EU? Yeah, it's completely different. So TwitchCon EU also has panels for streamers to start out and help, but also for moderators, community members. And there were different queues. When you when you pick up your badge, there's a queue for partners, there's a queue for affiliates, and then there's a queue for community. And they get bigger. Like Mystery had to queue up for the community badge, and it took hours. So there are so many community people going to TwitchCon EU. And just mm. hanging out and meeting people. The panels are also fun. Like there was a drag showcase and was that a cosplay event? I'm not quite sure. I think so. There was, yeah, there was a cosplay event. I think, yeah. But then again, like it's also sounds like it's a lot smaller. I think the TwitchCon EU had around 15,000, which I think is from what Blind was saying on the, on the lower end in comparison. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. The last it's interesting TwitchCon... to kind of... Sorry. It's interesting to kind of think about how these sorts of events evolve and change over time. I think, yeah, there's probably a, a good point to be made around like sometimes it, it does almost feel like an, an MLM in the sense that a lot of the time, you know, streamers are supporting other streamers and watching other streamers and we're all kind of passing around the same <laughs> same money <laughs> and then Twitch takes its cut all the time, uh, which does feel a bit funny sometimes, but um yeah i think there's a lot of there was definitely a lot of community attendance and engagement in uh twitchcon eu but there was also a lot of affiliates to be fair as well mm, i hope i can make it like the lineup for the last <laughs> twitchcon san diego i went to um like there was i mean like jess was there too but like th there was the partner line there was the affiliate line and there was the community line and I didn't see a person in the community line the entire time I was there. Granted, I was a little bit late the first day because I, I don't like to be stuck in the big line. So I always try and show up about four hours after the hall opens. Um, but I, there was always like a line in, for the affiliates. There was always like there was bar barely ever a line for the partner line. And there was never a line for the community line. But there was always an affiliate line to get it. Regardless of yeah, the time of day, was... right down to the last day, there was still like 10 people in that line wait, queuing up for the metal detectors. I wasn't I was an affiliate then and I was I was in the line it was so long I was there for hours. <laughs> it was so oh, long. I, so I lined long. up in the affiliate line once uh, to line up with uh, my moderator and you know like the partners can go through the affiliate line it'll just take longer right So we lined up and we were, we were waiting and we had, we were in that line for maybe about 30 minutes. It was indoors so it wasn't so bad but um, once we got through there was actually an error where he got a um, he was given a what, what's it called the arrivals badge, which was basically like the equivalent of an exhibitor badge. So they, he got his own line, so he got to skip the entire line every single time. It was like a misprint. There was like um, it was it was a thing that was going around where people were getting rivals badges that weren't supposed to have them. So he got a rivals badge, so he just got to skip the line every day, which was kind of awesome. Convenient. Very convenient. I think the only technical mishap we had at TwitchCon EU was they weren't able to open up to distribute the badges on the early badge collection in the afternoon for yeah. about 40 minutes because they 
Apparently the internal software had been set to an American time zone instead of an EU time zone. Yeah, and they had to wait for Which that. Which is a very... <laughs> the most Twitch... The most Twitch error ever. That's was it in Pacific time? <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. I have no idea. It was in the wrong time zone. had to bring in some zone. people to fix it up. Uh, like, everything Twitch does is in Pacific time, so I, I really wouldn't mm. be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Especially if, like, someone at home set it up. Yeah. They just didn't think about it. Ah, conventions. So yeah. there, there were basically like two years of no conventions happening, as we all know. And this year I've been to four. One in Austria, then TwitchCon EU in Amsterdam. Gamescom in Cologne, Germany, and then PAX West. And it's been so amazing. Like, I'm, I'm so happy I went to all of these because I just... I didn't realize it, but I missed it. Like, like, I don't know, can you miss something that you never really had before, but... <laughs> I Yes. I used to <sighs> always joke that the only reason I stream is because of the next convention. And, yeah. like, and this was, like, back when I was making not enough money to live off of doing this. Um, but I was, make, I was making enough money that it was worth doing, but not enough money that I could quit my job when I was at that point. And I used to always joke, and people would say, like, you know, why, why do you stream so much? Like, you're, you're not making money. It's like, well, for, for conventions, because, like... You struggle for eight months and then you get to pretend to be a rock star for three days. Because yeah. like <laughs> half the people at the booths recognize you. And there's there's something uh, kind of magical about that. It is. So it was really funny because at TwitchCon EU, lots of community members met up with me and recognized me and said hi, want to take a photo and stuff. But at the other conventions... Developers and publishers recognized me or companies I've worked with recognized me, you know, oh, we hired you for that sponsorship and so on. And that is so cool. It is That's kind really of like cool. being a rock star. And I felt so good about this, not in a way of, oh, I'm better than everybody else, but it was just so rewarding you know i put so much work and time and effort into this and it's yeah that's, that's what i was gonna off. say it's like it's not so much narcissism it's um You're losing your voice. i have i have fr fr uh, throat frogs today but uh <laughs> like you're, you're being recognized for the work and the effort you've put in yeah yeah and, it's and that's very an incredible feeling i just love that i i will say that like so so for like PAX this year, it technically happened last year. Believe it or not, there was a PAX West last year, um, in twenty twenty one. But okay. um, it was. Did, did you make it up to the board game area in the upper hall, the one the area with yeah. carpet? It was just yeah. that hall, the well lit hall. Um, all of it, all yeah. of PAX was just that. Yeah. Oh wow! It was tiny. There was uh, a, 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 everything that I read about that was they booked that event just to keep their weekend in the hall. Um, oh, I see. Because it was like an insurance thing. They could only take one year off. Um, so either they had to like pay out insurance or they had to book an event. So this is technically, I guess, the second PAX West since the pandemic. And it was noticeably smaller. Um, but I think in some ways it was noticeably smaller for the better. Um, PAX previously, you know, it, it's a four-day event, right? Like, it, it's from Friday to Monday. It's, it's a long event. And it's been a four-day event for, uh, I think, since as long as I've been going, anyway, since, like, 2015, 14-ish. Um, and previously, it, it would always be 
the three halls in the convention center. So the two main halls plus the upper hall in Seattle, plus a, a number of the hotels around the building in the city would have events. And some of the hotels did. Most of them this year didn't. Um, I, I know that the the theater that's booked out, which I've never actually been in, um, that was booked out and several companies did shows in there. Usually, uh, previously, it was always Bungie would book it out um, and they'd show Destiny things. Um, but uh, it, it was a much more scaled down PAX, which I think made it actually very manageable. I was only in the hall the one day and I, I feel like I was pretty comfortably able to at least have a glance at everything in all of the halls in one day. And previously, it would take two and a half uh, with a press badge skipping lines <laughs> to see everything. Um, the one way that I think it, it's scaled down for the better is there's a lot more seating now. Um, previously, there were, like, because there, there is food in the convention center. It's not great, but, like, you know, there's, like, little cafeterias and stuff where you can get food um, and snack stands and stuff. Previously, it was just the cafeteria, and then you're out into the races, and you have to eat it on the floor uh, or sit down at the edge of the hall. Uh, now there's, like, large seating areas in various places, including one where, like, Xbox's booth used to be. Um, and one where TwitchCon's booth, Twitch's booth used to be. Um, so I, I think that, that that honestly is for the better, just having like chunks of public seating everywhere. But oh, definitely. As, but as a whole, like the convention felt a lot smaller um, and a lot less attended, which I think for me as somebody who's developed a, a small amount of social anxiety since the pandemic, uh, that's for the best. Yeah, like the sense. amount of people that were there felt felt appropriate. Like it wasn't at, at no point in time I actually felt scared because there were too many people. It was it was a good amount, I'd say. Yeah, and I and guess like... since oh, I was just gonna say I guess since yourself blind and uh, Kiri now, you know, having done four in one year and and Jess as well, you're all I guess convention veterans at this point. For a convention newbie like me, or anybody who's listening, do you have any, like, convention pro tips? Bring your own sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. And I, I would not just because, like, pandemics. I, I mean, I've been, I've been bringing hand sanitizer to conventions for years. Um, I just always have a bottle of it in my pocket. If, any, if I ever touched anybody, hand sanitizer. If I played a game, hand sanitizer. Um, and I've never gotten the PAX box. Everybody always goes on about, oh, I'm so sick at the end of a convention. Like even during non-pandemic times, like normal times, like it, it's it's like there's a fake, there's a Twitter account for it. Like the PAX box. It just retweets people that said that they got sick after PAX, um, <laughs> which is actually, it's a pretty funny account to follow, especially when COVID started. It's like, I didn't do it. It's not me. Uh, but uh, it, it, like that, that's honestly my biggest piece of advice is, is bring hand sanitizer. Absolutely. And I don't know how mask policy is in, in Australia and with PAX Australia, but the only two conventions where I had masks were Gamescom because I wanted it and then PAX West because it was mandatory and I didn't get ill afterwards. I got ill after every other convention I've been to once with COVID and, and then it's just, you know, convention flu basically. Mm -hmm. But the masks are really helpful. Yeah, also bring your bring your business cards if you have yep. them ready now. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> business cards, and then maybe also like stickers or something, just little things that you can share. Yeah, if you're meeting up with community, then definitely stickers or blind make these really really cool patches with his name on it. Yeah, I love those. 
I need, I'm going to get more made too. I, I need more designs of those. Oh, those are the ones that you posted on Twitter, right? Yeah, the little patches. Like they're, those, those are kind of like my demo run of like me trying to make patches. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a metalhead. I, I like metal vests covered in patches. I, I want my own patches. Yeah, of course. That's a great idea. And so I'm going to be mailing them out to patrons as well. But it's... Yeah, if from from a streamer's perspective it's like or any kind of creator's perspective like i guess like kind of the 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 booklet is just at this point bring a mask bring hand sanitizer bring business cards and kind of look in advance and see what's there and try and plan your route before you get there at least for the Ooh, first yeah day. um yeah i i have this nasty habit of just kind of showing up and then walking through it especially with with pax west i do this because i've been to pax west so many times i know where everything is approximately so it's it's not too hard for me to just go from place to place. But like the first few years I went to PAX, it was it was always kind of nuts because you'd get there and you'd be like, all right, where is everything? And then day three, you'd find a new hall and you'd be like, I didn't know there was more stuff here. Um, so yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't be like I used to be. <laughs> just surprise yourself. I've actually been to like loads of conventions that were not like streamer related. I've been to like lots and lots and lots of cosplay conventions and stuff and definitely getting the little manual thingy and looking at it ahead of time is super helpful because there's so much stuff that goes on, especially like smaller things and um, community things or just like smaller group-led activities that are just easy to miss because they get lost in the hustle and bustle. Mm -hmm. Definitely check out the little pamphlet. Also, I really want to get like a branded mask. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, like, I was thinking about that. I didn't have time for it, but if you can do that, absolutely go for it. Yeah. I want to I I I want to get one of those masks. There's a there's a a shop around here that does like screen printing and one of the things that they've started printing are they print on cloth masks, which aren't mm -hmm. as effective, but like you could put it over your like N95 mask. Yeah. No, I think that would be really cool, especially because, like, you're, if you are a streamer who uses a cam, like, your face gets obscured by it, and, like, maybe that affects something, but then at the same time, it's just, like, kind of cool. You're just advertising your brand while being safe. A uh, streamer I know through Twitter, I didn't actually end up seeing him at PAX, but I know he was at PAX, uh, has a mask that has a picture of his face. For the lower <laughs> half of his face. Literally <laughs> just going to say, I really want to get a mask that is just my face. That's just like your chin. creepy though, because when you're talking, but your mouth creepy. isn't moving. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get like a like a low poly version of your face though, so you kind of uh, look like you're falling out of a PS1 game. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> just make it okay. all like blocky and like kind of pixelated. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend getting an app because usually conventions have an app now. Mm -hmm. so you can oh, yeah. Uh, all the exhibitors, panels, everything, the schedule uh, on the app. So you always have it on your phone. You can check. Remember and, uh, for, TwitchCon had yeah. one that sent you push notifications last year. Yeah. Or last time. Gamescom had that too. And I think PAX as well. You can just then favorite the exhibitors or favorite a panel, put in your calendar and so on. That's really convenient. And I, I didn't do this, but a streamer I met at Gamescom had it. Basically a merch shirt just for him with his channel name on it. And that was so brilliant because it's loud at conventions and you might not be able to hear the other person. You maybe don't want to hand out a business card immediately in the first five seconds of introducing yourself. Um, 
And if you, somebody doesn't understand you, then you just point on your chest and say, you know, hey, I'm Tudi Curie. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to do idea. that for next year. Now I want to get a shirt with a QR code that just links to my channel. Or that, sure. <laughs> that I've also seen works. somebody with a QR code on a shirt. Or you can do what Twitch did and give people passes with giant QR codes that, <laughs> that just don't didn't lead work. anywhere. Yeah, no, that was yeah. brilliant. Wait, they, they did that and they didn't lead anywhere? No. What? Well, I mean, some of them did. Thing. It was really bizarre. Because they did that so, at TwitchCon NA and they worked. <laughs> they didn't work for me. Like, Drongo made mine go to a clip of mine, but yeah, nobody else I, got that to work. So I don't huh. know how he did that. It, it was, was just a, a random clip of Kiri going, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay, I guess this QR code will work this time. That's how much effort uh, that Twitch put into that is, hmm, okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's, and that's then uh, JGM Jim's, his went to a different stream. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> it was like uh, Jim, Jimmy Jim or something was the stream name that it linked to. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, that did not work at all. The idea was good, but... Mm. Execution, uh. not so great. It's just yeah. like about everything with Twitch. Well, the idea's sound, it's just you, like, <laughs> halfway baked it and then shipped it. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have well, all of the ingredients for a cake, but you forgot to stir it. It's like the, the half-baked bread I have in my pantry. It's like shelf-stable bread, and you just have to finish baking it. Huh. That's like all of Twitch's ideas, you know, that they just didn't put it in the oven to finish it. I just didn't read the instructions. It's kind of like that. Well, speaking of uh. reading the instructions, I think we should go to a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some games that we've been playing. And uh, then we're going to wrap up kind of this little shorter podcast, I think. So we'll, we'll be back right after this. Well, hi there. Do you like video games? Do you like cats? Maybe even otters? Well then, do I just have the place for you? FG's Otterly Cataporium, streaming live only over on Twitch.tv. Well, <clears throat> um, hi. Yeah, hi. I'm FG. I play a wide variety of games Monday through Fridays at 9am GMT over on Twitch.tv slash FGSquared. I also have a very noisy cat named Panda, who for once is actually not being noisy. And our mascot is a cute little otter named George. So come on over. And I hope to see you soon. Bye. And we're back. Once again, this is the Halcyon Frequency podcast, airing uh, Sunday, September 18th, 2022, episode 35. We've been talking conventions, and we've been uh, covering a few other things. Um, and I, I just kind of want to talk about the one game that I did play at PAX, which is uh, System Shock, the uh, original game remake uh developed by Night Dive Studios and published by Prime Matter. So this game's been knocking around for a while. I know it's had some development problems, um, largely due to the fact that uh, Night Dive Studios is, like, not a big team. Uh, Night Dive Studios is, like, <clears throat> a very small group of, uh, like, rather young developers that started re or realized that they could purchase IP uh, for pennies in some instances. Uh, and what they would, what they did for a really long time and their business model was they would pick up games that were on the N64, games from the 90s, and they would not remaster them per se, but like uh, update them enough so that they ran at modern resolution. Basically, essentially mod them so that they ran at modern res resolutions on modern hardware. Um, and they would sell them 
like at bargain bin prices, and they did quite well doing that for quite some time. Um, one of their biggest releases was Turok, which is a old first-person shooter from uh, the N64 where you shoot dinosaurs. Um, and they they ported that to PC and but got it out on Steam, and it did quite well. And eventually, somehow through like purchasing and licensing, they managed to get their hands on the System Shock IP. Um, so they put out System Shock uh, Definitive Edition, I think it is, which is uh, their kind of treatment to the original, making the original playable, which I will thank them forever for, because that is uh, not necessarily a feat, but like it's it's good that that game is available and accessible. Um, but alongside of that, they, they started working on a remake, a ground-up remake from System Shock, because if you've never played System Shock, it is one of the most uh, clunky <laughs> games uh, that you could possibly go back to. This is a first-person game before people knew how to make first-person games. Like, it's, it's a mouse-controlled first-person game, um, largely. So, including, like, clicking and dragging on the screen to, like, aim and stuff. Like, it is, <laughs> it is a special video game. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a product of its time, and it's great that it's archived like that. But alongside of that, they, they've been working on a remaster of System Shock. And currently, it's up for pre-order on Steam, which I would question as to whether or not if you should do that, because that doesn't seem wise to me, um, for reasons as following. It was supposed to be out in 2019, I think was their original announcement, release date. Um, and they've missed every single one of those, and they've you know delayed it for about three years now. Um, and at one point, they actually had to put the project on permanent hold and stop developing it because they ran out of money. Um, but since then, uh, the pandemic has happened, and they started developing it, or like the, their lead developer just started live streaming development of it. He's just like, you know, I'm just going to show you how much we've we've done. They've released various demos over the years. Um, and there is a demo available on Steam right now, um, and it was playable at PAX. And so I, I saw it, and I was like, you know what? Let, let's play this at PAX, because the PAX demo has an area that's not in the Steam demo. And I've played a few different demos of this over the years, and what I got to say about it is that it looks really nice. The combat is slow and methodical and pretty clunky the way it should be. Like, it it feels heavy. Um, the audio design is pretty solid like the atmosphere is good i mean as as good as you can get with wearing headphones at a convention right um it's got that sci-fi horror feel that you kind of need from system shock like it, it's not a horror game like it's not gonna be scary i mean it's it's very glowy and larger than life so it's it's almost silly looking in places but like it definitely has that you're kind of screwed if there's a lot of enemies coming around the corner vibe that you want from system shock so it that demo left me feeling very very hopeful actually for uh, the System Shock, like, remake that I've been, you know, kind of down on, I guess, for a while now because of the um, issues in development. And it's it was nice to play it. Um, I think my biggest concern is, uh, to anybody who's played the original System Shock would know this, um, but the original System Shock has very, very, very maze-like levels. They're extremely maze-like. And the one thing that that original game did to make them clear is, and where you are so you don't get lost, is the areas were very distinct visually. They, like, the walls are different colors. Straight up, like, an area will be blue, an area will be green, an area will be bright red. And something that they've done with the art style in this version of System Shock is they still have the different color lighting, but the walls are all kind of like this blue, turquoise, gray color. And so there's a lot more coherency to the inside of the station, but I'm worried that areas will be samey looking, and I'm worried it'll be easy to get lost. That being said, 
the remake does have a mini-map, whereas the original didn't. The original, you had to pop it up. It was like a full-screen pop-up thing that you had to press a button. Um, so at the very least, there is a mini-map, so that'll make things a lot easier. But I am worried about like my own sense of direction and getting lost. And I think that that could cause frustrations. But I I, I haven't played the bigger maze levels, so I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful about System Shock. It sounds promising. Like I've, I've never even heard of it before. So it's a first-person game, so it's it's not for me. But for, you, for, you kind of made me excited about it, even though I can't play it. For reference, um, System Shock and System Shock Two are kind of like the games that came before Bioshock. So if you're familiar with the Bioshock games at all, yeah, or at least the art say, of the Bioshock, isn't Bioshock games, a spiritual successor. Yes. Uh, to the point where Bioshock 1 almost has the same storyline, except it's weird, like, diesel punk underwater stuff instead of uh, sci- sci-fi horror. Huh, okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, same li- same lineage. I mean, the, the studio that um, worked on, or some of the people that worked on System Shock went on to form, um, why am I, bl- Irrational Games, which made Bioshock. So, um, yeah, no, I, and then Tynan, worked, Tynan Sylvester worked on Bioshock Infinite, and now we have RimWorld. <laughs> Dude. Really? Yeah, he was a level designer in Bioshock Infinite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, S- System Shock is, you know, game from my childhood and something that um, I, uh, I, I'm happy to see remastered. And if, even if you'll never play a System Shock game, I, will, I would recommend uh, going and reading the Wikipedia page for the story of System Shock 2 because it's a great tale and also li- listen to voice lines uh, from the evil robot in System Shock 2 and System Shock 1 because uh, she's fantastic. It's one of the best evil ro- evil AIs uh, in a video game because just reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I'm also not sure if that's a game for me because horror, but yeah, I'm excited too. They're, they're Maybe not... I'll watch a playthrough. There's a lot of really good playthroughs of System Shock and System Shock 2 out there. Actually, you could just watch Mandalore Gaming's review of System Shock 1. <laughs> it's probably like, if you don't want to play System Shock, but like want to know what it's about, just watch Mandy's like one hour review of System Shock. And then his, I think he has a review of System Shock 2 too. Because he does all the spoilers stuff in there too. Mm, okay. But um, yeah, System Shock's great. And I'm looking forward to this remake. Cool. Sounds promising. So, uh... Drongo, I hear that you're playing some Humankind. Yeah, so they recently announced a new DLC. Expansion. That will be... Uh, expansion, sorry. Sorry. But yeah, they, <laughs> they make a difference between that. Oh, uh, it's, what, what's the difference between a DLC and expansion for, for so my... So there's been, I think, two DLCs so far. The Latin American and African cultures, I think. Mm-hmm. And they add one new culture for each era. Um, I think two world wonders and several narrative events. Okay. But that's it. The expansion, I need to be careful what I say now because I'm part of their counselor program, so I know lots about it, but I'm not allowed to say anything that hasn't been made public yet. Um, It's going to change gameplay. They're going to add new systems to it, rework some stuff, it's gonna be good. <laughs> I know it's epic. I'm, 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 I'm ho- so sorry. I'm just hoping good. <laughs> I'm just hoping that there's have... enough in it that I can convince my friend Kevin to buy it because I play Civ f- four with him still and Civ mm-hmm. five with him occasionally. Um, 
so I, I'm just hoping that there's enough in there and they discount it enough that I can make him buy it. That's my hope. Yeah, so watch the trailer and then you get a good impression of what's coming. But they're gonna they're gonna give you more than just new cultures. It's gonna be a whole expansion. Yeah. Mm, I haven't played so, in a year. I think I need to get back on it. Well, I've not I've not played it at all uh, up until very recently, and the, a while back they reached out and I became part of their partner program, I guess, and. I was just like, yeah, I'll get around to doing it. I'll get around to doing it. And it kind of just, the last couple of months have just been nonstop games that I really, really want to play. And it's just kind of been sat there on my kind of to play list. And so with the news of the new expansion, I was just like, okay, well, this is the perfect prompt I need to actually pick it up and start to learn the game. So I'm looking forward to actually playing that on stream because I normally find games like that a little bit overwhelming, especially when I'm having to do a bit of reading and having to work out new mechanics and stuff. I find it a little bit too much to try and do while trying to stream and read comments and entertain and that kind of thing. So for me to be able to play it a little bit before jumping in is uh, you know, usually how I prefer to do things. So I'm looking forward to learning more and I know Kiri is an old hand at humankind and Jess, obviously you've had some experience and blind as well. So yeah, it'll be nice to actually join the cool crew. <laughs> yes. Join us. We, it was join actually, us. It, they had a booth at PAX. Um, a pretty, one of the bigger booths actually. Um, and, uh, yeah. there was, uh, apparently one person from one of the other booths that every morning would get up and walk over to the humankind booth and play an hour because there's an hour where the exhibitors get to just hang out at their booths before they let the public in. And every day I was playing for an hour and almost had finished a game by day three. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is kind of so awesome. Cool. But Yeah, I, I like humankind. No. <laughs> <laughs> good, good game. Also, it has a 2D Curie avatar in it. <laughs> 2D Which is very cool. Not, not even remotely biased in that opinion no no i'm not, I'm not biased <laughs> it is a good game i honestly though. enjoy playing the game though amplitude makes good stuff yeah speaking of good stuff jess was playing some crusader kings the third yeah i was um yes yeah, so speaking of expansion dlc update things specifically crusader kings had an event pack release yesterday um september 8th today's the 9th when we're recording but september 8th they released and their first event pack which actually was kind of weird because they announced it like eight days prior and it just like came out of nowhere um but this one is called friends and foes and it was released in conjunction with a uh, their 1.7 update called bastion um, so this event pack is kind of cool. It features over a hundred new player driven event chains. So like not just one event, but like events that chain into each other and like depending on the, the decisions you make, like different prompts and stuff happen. Uh, so these are all focused around creating deeper connections with in-game characters and also driving deeper storylines. No kitty, this is not the time 
this is not the time. <laughs> He's like, yeah, speaking of uh, Crusader Kings, you should uh, pet me because I'm the king. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, checks out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it has a really big focus around creating friendships and even creating rivalries with other characters. And, like, they've introduced, uh, I think, generational feuds. And so, like, it, you, can, you can wrong somebody as one character and then their their future offspring you know could like take revenge upon your house and it's kind of cool it comes with new music as well uh the event pack is 499 uh us dollars and is not included in the uh what was it the royal edition Roy no the what Whichever the the fancy version of the game is, where they the gave big, you a bunch we give of... you all of the stuff for an extra fifteen bucks edition. Yeah, it's yeah. not included in that. So because of that, the reviews are really mixed. Um, from from my digging, it seems like the majority of the complaints are players being upset that it's not free when they feel it should be free. Um, my response is like, devs got to make money. <laughs> They're like still developing this game two years later. Um, but it, so it did come with. A free update at the same time, though, which is, like, another thing, like, there's this now, too. I don't know if we should be so upset about a, a $5 event pack. But um, the the update comes with, like, a, a lot of new balancing uh, with changes to AI decision-making, although I haven't really read into it. I, didn't, I did not read the instructions. <laughs> there's new childhood personality events, new icons, etc., and the really big thing that they released in conjunction with the Friends and Foes event pack is memories. So these are now chronologically tracked major events for every character that you can just pull up. And so you can see like all major events in their life. And oh, they can be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they can be used to um like drive events, like grievances and stuff, justify grievances, or like Memories may just fade over time. It's it's neat. Something that's really funny about that is when I was at PAX, uh, the first day I spent the af like the afternoon with Zach and Tarn Adams and community manager of Kit Fox, uh, Alexandra. And while we were while we were hanging out, she actually mentioned Crusader Kings because they were just like, "Yeah, we released our memories UI for Dwarf Fortress and what it's going to look like six months ago, and now it suddenly showed up in Crusader Kings." Like, <laughs> <laughs> huh? Interesting. I'm not saying I, I they stole it, if... I just think that that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I have no insight to that. <laughs> funny coincidence is all. Uh, so I, I played a little bit yesterday, and um, I actually had my, my first experience with the, the new system. So I ended up making... Uh, I was playing as a, a, a woman account, and I had an event where I formed a rivalry with my like, co-vassal to our liege, like, the, the duke, you know? Um, so, like, we hate each other, but we're all, both on the council for, for, the, for the duke. We're on the duke's council. And, and the, the event was, like, you spend so much time together and you're always at each other's throats and um, just today you just can't stand it. Like, he's yelling at you and, like, his, his posturing and his jawline is distended and, like, suddenly you realize, actually, he's pretty handsome. <laughs> and it, like, oh spirals God. into this whole, like, seduction event and I just kind of went with it. 
<laughs> I just went with it like an improv fashion, like yes and. <laughs> it was just it was it was so funny. Like um, I ended up sending like musicians to his hall, and his wife was asking questions like, "Who's sending you all these serenades and stuff?" So <laughs> I, I, so you're saying that your count was a ten because she stole his her husband. Yes, I guess so. Oh, but then I felt so so guilty as well because I like my character's husband also like planned simultaneously this whole like um, surprise birthday party for for my character, and so like she goes and has this affair with her rival, and then like next day <laughs> has this whole surprise party, <laughs> and it was just like it was so awkward, but it was really fun. Like the a new dimension there between like the player and all the AI is just it's as a role-playing aspect really really great man I need to learn Crusader Kings I just play too many deep games that I can play forever and it's a problem <laughs> no, I feel that maybe I, I should give it another up. try yeah CK3 was one of those games that I picked up and I I think I tried to learn it on stream and I think this was when I learned that going about games like that like you know big in-depth strategy games and trying to learn them on stream is just not for me because i was mm. just completely overwhelmed yeah that was actually one that i played off stream because it was on game pass and i was just like i don't know if this is a game for me i'll just try it i spent like a few hours running through the tutorial and was like yep playing this tomorrow on stream it's happening <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of new content with the a dlc Sounds good. It, specifically an event pack. <laughs> Damn it. There, there's <laughs> a distinction. Not, not right. <laughs> well, there we go. But yeah. There, is that, is, if you, um, sorry. DLC <laughs> expansion event pack. The new content. Yeah, there's so much new content between, um, like, the Vikings flavor pack that came out uh, at some point. <laughs> And there was also the recent Fate of Iberia, which introduced the the whole um, uh, blanking on all these words. What did they specifically call it? I've got six DLCs. I just looked at it. The struggle feature. Yeah, they introduced the struggle feature there. And yeah, there's just there's a lot of content now. It's like it's not the same game at all. Hmm. And they rebalanced everything with this new update too. Like did a lot of AI balancing, rebalancing, and um, like changed decision making. And so it's like I I don't know how anything behaves anymore. <laughs> That's the it's fun of those like types of games, though, is relearning them every eight months. From, yeah, learning it from scratch again. Oof. Yeah, I would recommend it. I mean, I haven't played like too much of it just a few hours you know um so i really can't say whether or not like the the mixed reviews are justified for it the the friends and foes event pack but so far i've had fun like it it led to a, a really interesting event chain a few actually it's really hard to tell if a paradox game is bad or if the community is just arbitrarily pissed off at them for some reason yeah, I was talking to my chat about it yesterday, and they were saying it's this happens every time with Paradox, because why isn't this just free? 
because they constantly push out extra content for their games years later and then charge money for it. It's because they don't have loot boxes in them, you dinguses. <laughs> they have people yeah, they gotta know. pay. I, I, I'm definitely of the, uh, I guess the the side of I'm absolutely one hundred percent with DLC or expansions, provided that it's not content that should have been that was purposefully discluded from the base game making the base game feel incomplete yeah and you know perfect example of that is you know when you've got day one dlc mm -hmm. uh, that's usually the dead giveaway for you know they've deliberately taken out content to try and get an extra extra buck out of it but if you've got you know content and updates that are coming you know uh months or even years down the track you know uh, if it's adding value to the game a game that you already like that you already play then it only makes sense to value the developer and the work that they've put into the game and if you want the new dlc pay for it it's yep. you know it's not yeah you know, it get everything for free right these Ew. things do I, I think it also depends on the exist. I think it also depends on the scale of the developer, you know, like um, something like Terraria, you know, is the ninth highest selling indie game of all time and is made by a very small team of people. It's like, it kind of makes sense why they just keep updating it because the game keeps selling, but it, it really depends on if the game's selling or not, right? Like um, Brian Becklew, who's the programmer on Caves of Cud, has said that um, they're not doing DLC for Caves of Cud because it's not done yet and because it's still selling. But they've stated that once it's out of early access and once it stops selling, they want to do quest packs where for five bucks they will sell like uh, a new faction for the game and like, uh, you know, a, a handwritten quest line, um, which is, in my opinion, perfectly reasonable. And talking mm -hmm. about Dwarf Fortress stuff, like they were saying that like if they need to do DLC in the future, they would just m commission more music for the game and sell extra soundtracks. Which is well, that also that was the thing because logical. like the this well no I'm not sure I have it I have it straight um that in in this like base update that they did 1.7 they introduced like a bunch of new um, illustrations and animations and so that was that was all free but then in the the paid um, the paid content like there's new music so like. They have to like pay um, the musicians and everything. I assume they're not doing that in house. I mean, the maybe they are cheap. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like <laughs> that's my take. Paradox community's pissed off again. But um, speaking of communities that are perpetually mad at the developer, uh, Drongo, <laughs> do you want to talk about Total War? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so this week on the 8th of September, Sega, uh, sorry, no, Code uh, is Code Assembly? Is that right? Uh, Creative Assembly. Creative Assembly, yes. Publishers. Creative yeah. Assembly, sorry, yeah, thank you. Because they used to make um, games in assembly. Fun fact. Makes sense. So they released their big 2.1 uh, update for Total War Warhammer which is the big, uh, a big update to follow on from their recent DLC, Champions of Chaos, and also their introduction of the Immortal Empires uh, campaign to the game, both of which are amazing additions to the game. And I know that 
I have had a great time with it. And I believe, Kiri, you have as well. Absolutely, yes. Um, so they have managed to follow that up with <laughs> an update, which managed to, uh, as Blind alluded to, managed to piss off most of the community because it broke a lot of aspects for the game. So oh, no. they broke... <laughs> pretty much defending your settlements and a whole bunch of different aspects of the game which was surprising for an update that was meant to fix a lot of things fortunately as of recording uh yesterday they have released a hotfix 2.1.1 and that has supposedly fixed most of those issues which is great news of course um but uh within that update they have managed to uh, done a whole bunch of unit rebalancing and they have managed to make some tweaks to the AI and research trees for different factions because with Immortal Empires being introduced, you now have, I don't even know how many off the top of my head, but I would say approximately around 50 or 60 different factions, many of which have very specific mechanics within them and playstyles and trying to balance that i can only imagine must be an absolute nightmare so um these sorts of patches are really really important and uh, really really good for the game so i'm hoping that after this week the game will only continue to get better and uh you know i've been playing a bit on stream and i've also been playing a lot off stream i just finished my first legendary campaign which i'm very happy about nice. and i've also been playing with my community uh, a multiplayer campaign which has been a lot of fun off stream yeah that, that's awesome i tried playing this one i played on stream and i think i had the exact same um uh, scenario that you described where I tried learning it on stream and was just so overwhelmed that I was like I can't do this <laughs> and I haven't played it since it was just like oh it was so so much it was too much yeah it's did one of you, those games did you try were you playing through the campaign uh the tutorial yeah I'm I'm fairly certain it was the tutorial I don't think okay. it's possible to start that game without doing the tutorial, which also caused drama initially because it's like six hours long. And for people who know how to play, they were all like, bah, <laughs> just want to play. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that may entirely be correct. Yeah. It was the first game to actually come out with a tutorial. And I did think it was pretty, uh, pretty good and a, a pretty good introduction to the game, especially mm -hmm. for making the title more accessible because the previous Total War games really didn't do a great job of trying to bring in new people to the, the the series maybe i'll try again <laughs> try it off stream mm. if you've got time of course but one day <laughs> we all one need day. a few extra hours in the day it is not oh, yeah. steam deck compatible so uh. is yeah, it true. actually not compatible or is it just not verified like it says unsupported know. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, it might run, but I don't know if I'd want to play a Total War game on, like, a touchscreen. I just, I don't see that working. But We don't have to use the touchscreen because the trackpad is amazing. Okay, l let me reiterate. I don't know if I'd want to play it without a mouse. <laughs> like, I, okay, I think I've played... th that would be a situation where I would just straight up take a mouse, plug in a mouse, and just have, like, a mouse next to me on the thing if I was to play that on a... Uh, yeah, fair deck. enough. 
I've I've played games on my Steam Deck before that were not meant to be played. Mm. It wasn't not supported, but it was just, you know, they didn't really care about it. And games that you're supposed to play with a mouse, but the trackpad is so amazing and intuitive. It's just you don't need a mouse. Hmm. I'm so excited. Soon, <laughs> it's out for delivery. You're gonna have so much fun with it. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to your review of it. I'm so excited. There's like so many games I want to play, but I can't be bothered to sit down at my desk <laughs> I know and play feeling. them. Well, you've got another game on here, Jess, that I think probably would run real well on a Steam Deck. So, do you want to talk about Heroes of Hammerwatch? The yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have to. It, it, it was just something that I played um, while I took some days off this week. And I was I played it with Solentre. Um, yeah, Heroes of Hammerwatch. It's an action-adventure <gasps> roguelite dungeon crawler. <laughs> <laughs> Released nice. in uh, 2018 by Crackshell and published by Surefire, Surefire Games. Um, it has online co-op and so Solentry and I were playing together we didn't get very far because we kept losing our connection and apparently mm. it's like a, a well-known issue that doesn't really have a fix and so what? we we tried like four times and he kept getting booted from my lobby so we, we didn't get very far but That's so sad yeah I mean assuming that people don't know about it it's so it is a primarily, at least in my experience, I, mean, I didn't get very far, just the dungeon, a dungeon crawler. Um, pretty light on story. And you can, you can play as a few classes, like your, your tra traditional stuff, like your warlock, your paladin. Um, the rogue, I played as the rogue, which well, the only skills I really have were using the bow, and I think that changes as you upgrade your town. But yeah. It, Features procedurally generated levels, and you you go through hordes of enemies. You collect money, you collect ore, you solve puzzles and deal with trap rooms, and you have opportunities to bank your loot throughout. So, like, you can collect your money, you can collect your ore, and then like send it back to town. However, if you die before you do that, you lose everything. And so in co-op, it was kind of interesting because if one of your characters dies, you can become soul-linked and revive them. But then if either one of you dies, you both die together. Like after you're soul-linked, you, like one death equals both, death, both deaths. And so that was cool. What was also interesting is that you have your character from your world and that character will come to like my lobby. So like Solentre's character from his world came to my lobby and we shared loot. So like every coin that we collected was duplicated in our inventories and same with ore. So when he goes back to playing on his own, he's got all that money and all those resources that he banked in my game to spend in his world, which is neat. Absolutely. I have almost 100 yeah, hours in the cool. game and I played lots with Mystery Lex and FG a while back. We, I don't remember us having uh, multiplayer issues though i don't know but we played lots and it's a really really good game super fun yeah i i was i was enjoying it like we we got really frustrated because if somebody gets uh kicked from your game you have to either finish your dungeon crawl solo or back out 
And so it was just really yeah. frustrating because they can't rejoin. So like we would get really deep into a level and then he would get kicked. And so I'd have to just try and find the bank, you know, to send my, my loot before I died because I was just like a squishy little rogue and he was playing a paladin. So he was tanking everything. And suddenly mm -hmm. I was like, ah, I'm dying. <laughs> oh, that's sad. So it was, it was frustrating. We went through it a few times and then just gave up. But I enjoyed it, and I really want to play more. I love little dungeon crawler games. It's pretty fun solo, too, which is how I played it. I haven't tried solo. Yeah. Solid little action say, I really enjoy sure. kind of like co-op games like that, so that might be something I pick up in the future. So we should play together is what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Do I is need that, to reinstall Hammerwatch? Is that's what, what I had. Yeah. Halcyon, Halcyon <laughs> Hammerwatch? We could do that. Oh, I'd be down. Halcyon like Watch? It rolls off the tongue. Hmm. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, anyway, um, on, on, on that kind of note, though, uh, before I lose my voice, which I'm apparently doing now. <coughs> yeah, me too. I think it's allergies. Yeah, it's that time of year. But, um... I think it's time for us to kind of wrap this podcast up. You know, when we when we were doing the pre-talks for this one, we were saying about an hour, and we're I'm looking at an hour and 20 minutes on our recording timer. So I think it's time for us to, to wrap up. So what I'm going to do real quick is I'm just going to say, uh, Jess, who are you, and where can people find you on the internet? Um, as far as I'm aware, I think that I am Jess. <laughs> you can really? find me on Twitter, on Twitch, on Discord, on something else. And I'm thinking about reviving my Instagram. Um, oh, YouTube is the other place. Yep, of course, YouTube. Uh, I'm thinking about reviving my Instagram. I'm on the fence. We'll see. So maybe Instagram soon, TM. <laughs> and Drongo, who are you? And where can people find you? I'm Drongo, and I am a voice actor, artist, and content creator. And you can find me on Twitch as Bloody Drongo. You can find me on TikTok as Bloody.Drongo. And on Instagram, same name. And on Twitter as the Bloody Drongo. And Kiri. Yep, that will be me. You can find me on 2dkiri.com. And I'm Blind. You can find me at BlindIRL basically everywhere. Uh, this is the Halcyon Frequency podcast. And you can find more episodes of this podcast at halcyonfrequency.com. If we don't appear on a podcast platform of your choice, uh, please send me a DM and I will make it appear there. I actually had to do that for somebody relatively recently. We're now on Overcast properly. Uh, if the podcast platform that you listen to us on happens to have reviews, please leave us a review. I think we're a five-star podcast, but frankly, you can give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a one star. It doesn't matter. As long as we're getting reviews, that's what tells iTunes to promote it. And uh, aside from that, this has been Halcyon Frequency. Until next week, don't touch that dial signing off. <laughs>